and welcome to episode three of Spinal Tap Minute, a podcast where we'll analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. My name is Heidi Bennett from HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of Five Minutes of Mime.com. And with us today, all the way from the Indiana Jones Minute, is Jerry Porter. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Terry. We're very um, excited to have you with us. Thrilled to be here, and being from Cleveland, of course, um, yeah, you have to start it. I, I have to start it like that. It's just in my contract. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, welcome, and, welcome. Yeah, welcome to, uh, to Minute 3 of This is Spinal Tap. Uh, so Minute 3 begins with our, our title card, This is Spinal Tap, a rockumentary by Marty DeBerge. Uh, we finish up with the band on stage performing tonight. We're going to rock it tonight. Uh, and in between, we have a smorgasbord of uh, fan interviews. We get some shots of the crew setting up. Uh, the first appearance of our titular band arriving in New York City. And, and lots of goodness. So we start with the title of the movie. This is Spinal Tap and a plane flying by in a background. Uh, you guys have well, anything I- to... Oh, go ahead. Has, say, does anybody have anything to say about that plane? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I could talk about any minute of Spinal Tap and be happy. However, I feel particularly blessed to be discussing Minute 3 with you guys because Minute 3 begins with this enormous plane touching down in the big city. And that, of course, is how every rock and roll dream begins. I mean, that's that's basically opening up the rock and roll fairy tale book and reading Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, I mean, that that's what, I mean, I can say, you know, I started playing drums, I don't know, when I was 11 or 12, whenever Duran Duran actually first hit my earlobes. <laughs> and um, that that's all that was going through my head, is airplane touching down in the big city that's what I want to be doing. I, I didn't even know why. <laughs> it's just something something iconic about that plane flying. And and I yeah, and I love that the title is over it. It's like we've just the first two minutes spent with Marty DeBergie and now we're in it. We're we're in the exciting world of rock and roll. Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's it's what I feel everybody thinks of when they think of rock and roll. Definitely. So big jet airliner, yeah. <laughs> big old jet airliner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's hilarious. That's actually who kind of got me into rock and roll. I think. Um, Steve, Steve Miller. Steve Miller Band. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, initially, when I was young and had, um, I grew up in Southern California, um, Seal Beach, California, and. I just remember, you know, typical little girl, but I remember seeing the cover of that album with the big Pegasus. Oh, yeah. And I knew the song, whatever the hit song was. And but so that combination of the Pegasus with the song meant that this was my first rock and roll album. So that was mine. My introduction. I I would say one of the most unsung drummers in rock and roll, Gary Mm. Malibur. Yeah. Mm. Gary Malibur. Those those Steve Miller grooves are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like Fly Absolutely. Like an Eagle and Swingtown and it really tasteful. Yeah. Yeah, Take and I think of run. those as yeah, great something stuff. that 
like when my dad had a great stereo system that you could really envelop yourself with that music, had big sound. But speaking of big sound and the the loudest band in rock and roll, (laughs) um, let's see, after we fly in with the airplane here, what do we see? We see some fans. We see some fans. We get some fan interviews. They're they're outside. They're waiting for the concert. They've got that feathery hair. Some <laughs> some of it. Some of it. it is some the, of it, it is with a lot of hairspray. Guy. Some of it just naturally feathery. And I think Sean, you had some some thoughts on these fans. Well, yeah. So, so one thing I noticed is they're they're awfully well behaved for for dropping a camera in a parking lot outside of a heavy metal rock show. There, you know, there's there's the person they're talking to in front, and everyone in the background is just kind of standing around doing their own thing. I know usually when I see you know see a camera on the street or in a crowd or anything, there's always some Yahoo in the background. They're they're waving hi, mom. They're they're making faces. They're doing something. But these fans, the Spinal Tap fans, are very well behaved. No one's distracting the the cameraman or the interviewer. So, uh, so I did notice very a very polite crowd. Well, the one guy says, uh, you know, heavy metal's deep, and he's you know he's dead serious and he's in it, and you know it makes made me think like, like is this like Thanatopsis or something? Like he's just gonna <laughs> he's just about to I mean he's taking it very, very, very seriously. And you could see with like oh, yeah. the little bit of facial hair just mm-hmm. starting to creep through. I mean it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but that that was that was me at fourteen or fifteen with the, the the facial hair just creeping in and the uh the appreciation of lyrics of, right. of bands that I look at now. I you know, I can still appreciate the music, but I think I put a little bit more more into the lyrics than maybe those lyrics deserved. So uh, <laughs> I can, I can that's what that's that that's the, the age when music is all of a sudden deep, right? Yeah. You, know, the whole, you guys, you guys don't understand. Yeah. You know, that's when you, you have to you have to shut your bedroom door and lock it and be like, how could, nobody understands it." Right. But, but <laughs> yeah, this, you know, think- this is like you'd, you'd make a mixtape. You you wouldn't you know that's how you expressed yourself. Right. You have a, you know, right. kind of like your first crush on a girl. You'd make her a mixtape. That's how you that had the emotions and the feelings and everything that was going on. You know, was in the music. Well, love doesn't the first woman, the first fan, she's got the blonde feathered hair, and do, doesn't she say, uh, you know, I love the energy. It's fun, yeah, or it you know, it's, it's exciting or something like that. And I yeah. thought it's so easy to dismiss her <laughs> in that, but I mean, that is actually what what it's all about, right? I think it's such a culmination of so many different things. Like when I'm watching this movie, I'm realizing I'm appreciating it on a so many different levels. Like I'm a fan of music, but I'm a fan of the showmanship. I'm a fan of the costumes. I'm a fan of improv. I'm a fan of these actors in some of the other things I've seen. So it's kind of, you know, I'm a fan of the the sexiness of their performances. I mean, and then I'm a fan of the ridiculousness of their, <laughs> the lyrics and everything. I mean, it, it's layers and layers of, of love. But as far as like, like you were mentioning, Sean, uh, being that 14 year old with the hair just coming in and everything. Like I do remember being, I think the first band I really like, you became a hardcore fan of was the, the police. 
Like, I loved their musicianship. Talk about a drummer. Talk about, you know, sexy. Talk about... Talk talk about blonde hair. (laughs) Yes. Those early peroxide punk punk, uh, first few years, like uh, Outlandos D'Amour and... Yeah. Yeah. My my favorite era of the police. Yes, mine too. Yeah. And that's where I really got into it and thought I was so sophisticated because I was a teenager, but I was liking these guys on such a deeper level than just <laughs> thinking they were cute, you know. Well, I also love that, you know, minute three begins with and, and has throughout um this four on the floor, Tom's a blazing anthemic right. stadium rock drum solo. And it's, it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's totally meat-headed rock and roll. And it literally is what every non-drumming Mo and Joe Ho thinks that the drummer does. Mm. And they, and they actually love it when he does play that. Yeah. <laughs> Which as a drummer sometimes can be wildly frustrating <laughs> because you can play all sorts of blazing, insane technical stuff and it's completely lost. But if you literally play what this guy plays during this minute, which is just boom, 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 everybody goes banana. Like, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. He's going for it. He's killing it back there. He's just, he's banging and he's mashing. He's nuts, man. He's nuts. And it's it, you're literally just pounding your foot against one bass drum, right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more about creating the atmosphere of say say it's the first song though, you know, because it's right. We get the introduction from the Mister Massively Mustachioed, you know, um, guy MC or you know the guy that that introduces them, and <laughs> then you're. You know, so this is it. You know, yeah, I can imagine being there and how exciting that. It's it's basically even if it's simple. Yeah, it's what you're exciting. trying to create is that that famous scene where you know in Lord of the Flies, where aren't they like roasting a pig and they're all <laughs> savage? <laughs> they're a, don't, don't they kill? Uh, yeah. They kill the one like super innocent kid runs into the middle of the 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 uh, the fracas. The fracas rumpus, yeah. yes, <laughs> and they stab him wildly, and you know that 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 you know four on the floor stadium drum solo is exactly what they're playing in Lord of the Flies, and exactly what moves everybody, you know, to a yeah. frenzied place. Yeah, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite shows I ever saw, which was in um, Sacramento, and it was the. Butthole Surfers with their oh, two wow. two drummers, yeah, um, wow. a man and a woman. Um, I don't really know much about the names of the different people besides Gibby, so pardon me for that. But <laughs> it was um, dark. It was a dark room. They had some kind of crazy lighting go going. I mean, they're really famous for putting on incredible shows. But one of the things that was amazing about it was their syncopated drumming, and it it was fairly simple most of the time, but it was just captivating because they are so syncopated. And, and, uh, they, I think they were both wearing like no actual shirts, but like, like maybe like almost 
like a plastic sheeting over the top of them or something, you know, <laughs> visually striking and weird. But it was, it really set, you know, it it was so memorable, so memorable. Yeah, another another important thing, as important as the, as the you know, driving, <laughs> you know, quarter note bass drum throughout is, is obviously your, your, your stage outfit. Yeah, and these guys definitely know how to do that. Oh, that's for sure. Better than anybody. I mean, up there with the best of them. <laughs> All right. So after some fan interviews, we get the uh, the first appearance of Spinal Tap, and we see them. They're they're walking through the airport, and and David is asking which airport is this that they're walking through. Well, I, I love that uh, Ian, the manager, says this is JFK, New York, New York. Because it's it's a perfect, it's just a perfect moment, especially for the beginning of the movie. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter how small your, you know, your music fairy tale dream may be, or how huge your career is, how tiny your career is. I, I feel like if you're playing in New York City or, you know, Los Angeles, the dream is now a reality, and they're capturing that perfectly, like. I've played like my cousin's front lawn in New York, but they're, you know, but wait, it was well, New York. You, yeah, that's all you hear is it's in New York. I mean, it's my cousin's front front lawn in, uh, you know, Poughkeepsie, but that's, <laughs> you're just like, oh, yeah, no, I got a gig in New York. You got a gig in New York. Yeah, yeah I got, I'm playing a gig. At, what are you doing this week? Well, I, you know, I can't make that actually. I have a gig in New York. Definitely. Yeah. I remember first. <laughs> playing shows in San Francisco and it definitely felt a little bit bigger than Sacramento you know it was really felt like you'd gotten somewhere and I love in here too I'm just watching the guys they're kind of going in between the guys um, at the airport and the um, roadies loading stuff and the camera um, as we mentioned in, epi in uh, episode one I believe that the cameraman was somebody who was um, the cinematographer was someone who'd done several music and uh, band documentaries, and you can really tell that with the camera work here. And it looks like, um, you know, they're swirling a bit around the action of the band moving out here. And uh, we get to the the limo driver, too, which is, I think, a real wonderful Bruno Kirby moment here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we meet meet Tommy who's actually going to have some scenes later, but we see the, the little sign that he's holding and it's a spinal pap. <laughs> so, like, maybe a hint that, uh, that not everything is going to go as, as well as planned. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a foreshadowing uh, shot there. And, you know, I had somebody explain this to me. It's, it's, and, and, and I love this here. They, they call it sort of the cycle of bands or the cycle or circle of musicians. And somebody very wise explained it to me when I first moved to Los Angeles. And they said, um, well, you know, the story of musicians and bands, if you're lucky, it goes like this. Who's Jerry Porter? I want Jerry Porter. Get me Jerry Porter. Get me someone who sounds like Jerry Porter. <laughs> Whatever happened to Jerry Porter? <laughs> Who's Jerry Porter? Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> and that's kind of what I thought about when you see the spinal pap. You're like, yeah. well, 
I know I know these guys just landed in in JFK, not even LaGuardia, JFK. <laughs> but oof, you know. Yeah, I think actually that reminds me of something I was going to bring up here, which is um a documentary I actually haven't seen, but I I um I'll say what documentary it is in a minute here, but I was looking up um in minute 2 they mention uh, Marty DeBerge mentions that they're going on tour to support this album coming out in uh, 82. And so I thought, Oh, what other albums were coming out in 82? And so I found uh, play it loud forever. wordpress.com somebody who loves to review um, rock and roll albums. And he put together, it was a top 10, but then he changed and updated it to a top 20 albums of 1982. And one of them was Anvil, Metal on Metal. And so, yeah, and, and I love this guy writes about it. These are, he said, these are the top 20 in his opinion. And Anvil, the Canadian uh, band that says Anvil were one of the heaviest bands around, mm-hmm. they didn't even quite get that Jerry Porter treatment, you know, the treatment <laughs> of the, you know, they kind of rose a little bit. And then, you know, their, their movie, um, Anvil, the story of Anvil, I have never seen, but I've heard that they have quite a spinal tap story, you know, that, that they kind of, but never quite rose to full power. And that I guess, and I definitely want to give myself homework to watch Anvil, the yeah. story of Anvil. Absolutely. But that at, that at the end, they do finally make it to Japan based on their, you know, on their kind of re-rising popularity. So not only is that similar, but it ends up that one of the members of the band, their drummer, his name is Rob Reiner, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> is that true? Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, and I want to be clear. I don't think I, I'm not uh, saying that I fully discovered the circle and experienced <laughs> the circle. Mine was a little bit more like a flat line. It's who's Jerry Porter? I'm gonna go get a burrito with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Who's Who's Jerry Porter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so but, uh, you, you one thing that's fascinating. You mentioned in this minute they say you know we're going on tour to promote our upcoming album. And, you know, watching Spinal Tap in 2017, I mean, the music industry is completely reversed now. It's 180 degrees backwards, you know, or or turned on its head in that these days you would put out a, a, you know, I don't even know if I call it an album, but I guess you put out, you put out a record and, or a piece, I mean, a single, and you would do that to actually promote your tour. Right. Because there's hardly any money in actual records or albums these days. I mean, there's money in touring. So you basically put the, the, the music out there at a very low cost or minimal cost or basically so you can reap, you know, reap the rewards through touring. It's just completely backwards than how it would be in, in the 1980s and 90s and 70s and all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And who knows where it'll be even another five years from now, you know? I'll tell you this. I mean, the record companies haven't even figured that out. Yeah. And it's fascinating because I think that everybody sort of assumed they would, 
you know, after like in, in, you know, Napster and all that sort of stuff, everybody sort of figured, well, they're about to figure something. I mean, they'll, well, they'll come up with a better format or plan or whatever. And it's, you know, whatever, 15 years later, 16 years later, I don't really think they have figured it out. I mean, people talk about Pandora and scream, uh, streaming music and that sort of thing. But I mean, the money isn't even remotely close to what we would make back in the Spinal Tap era. I think it's Spinal Pap. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, so um, just kind of getting us zoomed back here in the minute, we're actually 33, let's see, we've got 33 seconds left. So we've, you know, we've done a good job here talking about the first half of the third minute of <laughs> this is Spinal Tap. Um, <laughs> anything else to say regarding um, this limo driver. I love the gum chewing. We only get him for a split second, but I think he makes a strong is a lot of first attitude. impression. Yeah, this is very old school New York. This is very and th this guy this guy isn't from New York. This guy's from Brooklyn. Um, you know, and he's he's repping. He's there. He's got his sign, Spinal Pap. And uh yeah, I hope I hope we see more of this character. I'm really interested to see uh where things go with that. He he strikes me as a like a hard working guy. He's yeah, a, yeah, hard working guy. I don't know if he has the the patience for this sort of fluffery that is rock and roll. Well, yeah, he's you know can he deal with the uh, the egos, the attitude of a of a <laughs> a big time rock and roll band, the armadillos, the cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to segue um, up to. Our ethereal, um, our ethereal fan, and she's, yeah, um, you know, flanked by some, yeah, sort of mellow teen gentlemen and um, some beautiful New York palm trees and sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, you know, when we, when we started this, I, I've listened to some other of these movie by minute podcasts that that look at movies and. And there seems to be a recurring theme that if you watch the same movie long enough, and if you watch it minute by minute, people start to pick at it. Even the movies they love, movies they grew up with, they start finding things wrong with it. And and I came in, sure, this would not happen to me, that this movie was perfect, and I could watch each minute of it dozens of times and not find an issue. But yeah, palm, palm, <laughs> palm trees in New York, maybe not, so... A slight continuity issue there, I think. See, I, I have a theory about her. I mean, she's real kind of West Coast, you know, crystal, Sedona, vortices, hippie, you know, California thing. I think she's in New York. It's just the palm trees follow her wherever she mm -hmm. is. I love that. They just Absolutely. Spring up that. behind her, <laughs> even though she's in New York. <laughs> she, she brought, she's got a, she's kind of the, the Janice from, uh, from Dr. Teeth. Oh, definitely. Full Janice. Yeah. And who doesn't love that, right? I mean. No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I love like, the, the know, kid to her right, the teenager to her right, who's just up and down checking her out. In the oh, most oh, yeah. Blatant. <laughs> with the blue shirt. Yeah, he's definitely a, he's, 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 he's not looking at the camera. He's, no. he's looking at Janice. Yeah. Yeah, and those guys are straight out of my junior high. Like those kind of soft, 
cottony, plush, <laughs> California, you know, T-shirts with the open V on them. I don't know how, what you call those shirts, but I definitely, I'm sure my brother had a, a few of those. To me, that kid is is the guy who just, you know, runs up the high dive ladder and <laughs> without any fear, just leaps off and cannibals. Cannibals. Yeah, it makes <laughs> the biggest splash. And I barely can get the, you know, intestinal fortitude to get up, you know, off the low dive. And as I'm thinking about it, he pushes me into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's helping you conquer your fear. You know, he's, he's doing that for you. <laughs> he's making me hate his guts. <laughs> like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to join rock and roll and then women are going to like me. <laughs> Someday. So uh, just an interesting thing about uh, about Janice. So she's credited, her, her IMDb credits are, are two films, Spinal Tap, or This is Spinal Tap, uh, and Scenes from a Gold Mine. And, and Scenes from a Gold Mine is, is also, it's another movie about a band. And she's credited there with playing a fan. But it's not uh, Velvet Goldmine? I don't know what Scenes from a Goldmine is. Scenes from is. a Goldmine, yeah. I, I hadn't heard of that movie previously either. It's and it's it's not a documentary about a band. It's a fictional thing mm. about a fictional band instead of instead of a real movie about a fictional band. Um, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> wow, it says she's two for two on that. Okay. Yeah, so then that that was in '87, and she's credited as uh, as fan. So she kind of you know she found her niche. Hmm. Hey, you think uh, somebody approached her? We saw the- your we saw your work in Spinal Tap, Minute Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was her. That was her. Get me Jerry Porter moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure get get me a janice type get me an ethereal fan type yeah and there she is and right now it's who is she where's who's who's jerry porter <laughs> yeah all right so then we move on to the actual live performance and our man on stage introducing the band do either one of you guys have comments on him that guy's fantastic <laughs> 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 i don't know why because he's 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 one of the few people in the movie that's truly you. Th- you you think he might be evil, <laughs> like in, oh, in yeah. a good way, like in a in a dirty deeds, yeah. you know, dirty deeds done dirt cheap type of way. Yeah, if, he's if throwing you, the horns. Yeah. He's got the sunglasses on indoors. Yeah, he's, he's in the dark wearing sunglasses. He's got a uh, just a a masterful mustache. Uh, yeah, you know, you can really be proud of a mustache like that. Um, and he's another guy. This guy, it's the the only credit again in, in IMDb is just the MC introducing the band here. Um, I don't think there's an actor. I buy it. This this is the real deal that they went and they found uh, an evil MC and said, <laughs> you know, will you be in our film and introduce our band? Yeah, I agree. I, I that because he's doesn't he say straight from hell. Yeah. Yes. Direct yeah, and, from hell. Yeah, direct Spinal from hell. Pap. And you're like, well, he would know. <laughs> I mean, he just weekended in yeah. hell. He would know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, but, we're almost to the end here. We've got the band. I mean, we saw them rifling through the airport. Um, Nigel lighting up a smoke. And but here they are on this is what stage. We came for. This is why this we're here. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> what do you think? Hey. I love it. 
I mean, I, lo- I love every minute. I watched the movie last night, hadn't seen it in about 15 years. Mm. And what's amazing about Spinal Tip is that, you know, no matter, again, no matter how huge or tiny your band or musical career is or whatever you want to say, uh, non-professional, whatever, it doesn't matter at all. You can relate to every single thing in the movie. You know, the the adrenaline rush before a performance, sort of the the... the you know the the high as it fades after a performance getting off stage you know the manager who tells you that you know this is the turning point in your career and now you got to start kicking ass like there's the girlfriend who infiltrates the band meeting and interjects with weird ideas the bass player who feels like a stuffed moose i mean <laughs> like all of it is actually real and relatable totally totally 100% I love these guys. I'm so glad we're going to be spending a lot more minutes with them. And speaking of these concert um, experiences as a musician, I think, or Sean, did you want to ask Jerry about Spinal Tap type memories? Or I guess I just did it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so... um so, so Jerry, Heidi wants to know if you have any, uh, you know, because you're, you know, for our, our our listeners out there, of which there are several, I'm sure, um, may not know Jerry Porter is a, an actual musician. I think he's mentioned it. He's a is a drummer uh, and gets paid to drum, which is a impressive feat. So, yeah, anything, any any experiences on tour, any kind of wild moments that the uh, that you can like share with us. Um. I'm I'm sorry I'm having a rock minute right now because it's funny I because I, it's like well Sean I know you so I'll I'll talk to you Sean but I don't really know Heidi so <laughs> I'm not gonna talk to Heidi that's like the first rock and roll reality right yeah Is that yeah the, that's the cool first rule of rock and yeah, roll the first <laughs> I don't really know Heidi so it's cool if you you know if you can just kind of send Sean whatever questions you have and then I'll speak directly to Sean that would be great <laughs> <That> sounds good. <laughs> um, I actually somebody told me Prince did that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he just, there was somebody, that, he walked into a music store, and he basically had an interpreter, and Prince was like, hey, can you tell the guy I'd like to see that guitar on the wall? And then, you know, there were three people there, Prince, his interpreter, <laughs> and the, guy, the music store guy, and he's like, Prince would like to see that guitar on the wall. <laughs> um, I, You know, I don't know, I mean, being from Cleveland, I just got to say, the Xanadu Star... <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> really, I played in in a lot of places like the Xanadu Star, and um, yeah, that was great. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I being playing music is the most absurd and fun and ridiculous and wonderful and horrible thing <laughs> you could ever you know uh, Heidi I know you you you're a a singer so I'm sure you you understand I had a show this is just stupid mm-hmm. I was playing a show it was sold out with a with a you know a, a big artist a good artist and it it was sold out and it was in New York City on Friday night yeah, I'm sorry, it was Saturday night. It was Saturday night in New York City, so of course all of a sudden you got this, uh, wow, this is going to be great, you know, and it was, it was sold out and everybody's like, we go on at 10.30, da-da-da-da-da, this is going to be great. And the artist I'm playing with, you know, he, he's a little bit he's a little bit older and, and he happens to be diabetic. And 
so he shows up like maybe, you know, three minutes before, you know, he shows up at 1027 mm-hmm. and he's um, kind of doesn't look himself and, and he's, he's sitting there and he sits down in the chair and literally people are screaming, you know, his name and I got my drumsticks in my hand. You're ready to go out. And um, he sits down in a chair and somebody comes over and they're like, he, I, he actually says to me like, hey, I can't go on. And I'm like, what's happening? He's like, I can't go on. I'm, I'm, I'm having the shakes. I'm just, I can't, like, I feel sick. I, I can't go on and play. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it. And <laughs> somebody else actually told me who knew, uh, said, yeah, um, he just ate a lemon meringue pie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like bordering on diabetic shock because like uh, we went to Denny's on the way here and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm looking out like the my my vision is split to the left in my left eye I see a sold out venue with people screaming <laughs> screaming for him to come on and then in my right eye I see him like hunched over <laughs> oh my a chair. and uh it was absurd. It was just absurd. And what's even crazier is that it wasn't the first time that happened. <laughs> he just had, like, you know, we talk about, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and addictions. Well, in this case, it's literally an addiction to lemon meringue pie. And it sidelined him many times. So, Did the show go on? Or was you it know, canceled? No, one or? time it did. Mm-hmm. And another time it didn't. Oh, man. And I, all I could see, I was like, you know, going home just with a vision of a lemon meringue pie <laughs> in my head. Like this is, this is what happened. This is music. You know, this is playing. <laughs> there was actually another time, and I had just joined. This is, I'm just throwing this out there because of the absurdity. Mm-hmm. There's another time I had just joined a group and we're on tour and it's my uh it's my third day of the tour so i don't really know i'm just getting the lay of the land for the music and getting the lay of the man for the manager getting the lay of the man for the you know the artists the performers even you know just the set like what's happening and there was um there was a one of the roadies they kind of you know they they weren't really pulling their weight it wasn't their fault but um they were, they just, they were kind of green to it and they, they didn't really know, you know, they're kind of a more diminutive stature and couldn't really lift everything. And I don't know why the hell they were on this tour. <laughs> a nice guy, nice person, but probably wasn't up for the task. And, um, you know, there was a breaking point by day three and the roadie said, Hey, um, you know, look, I, 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 I'm quitting. I'm quitting. And the artist, <laughs> the artist got out of the bus and walked over to the roadie and said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and proceeded to choke him. Oh, my God. Like, oh my. full on choke him. And, like, it's it's me and it's the other musicians and I'm watching it. And I'm in the parking lot 
of a Best Western at 10.30 in the morning in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. And and he's choking one of the crew members for real. And I didn't know because I was the new guy. I'm like, well, what are the rules on choking? This <laughs> Like, am I supposed to intervene? I mean, I know morally I'm supposed to intervene because there's something not right about this. Right. But right. I, I actually, this is day three. It's only 1030. I mean, I don't think choking should start till around like maybe 10 p.m. Right. And what happened was one of the other uh, bandmates, <laughs> you know, fortunately jumped in between and, and said like, hey, 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 <laughs> like, back off. Everybody's got to back off. <laughs> You know, and basically that night, uh, the the guy did indeed quit, as he 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 probably should have, and and we had to get we had to get new roadies like the like that night. It was like literally, hey, does does anybody know anybody <laughs> who's larger than four foot eight who can carry a guitar? Yeah. So and just, can go on just, tour. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just it's just you know anything that. It's just whatever you think is going to go wrong, it's not that. Right. It's the unexpected. <laughs> yes. It's, as they say, you're hit by the bus you don't see. And it's not even a bus. You're hit by like, a, you know, like a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, what the? I didn't even know people still ride unicycles. <laughs> so... Oh. Uh, good stories, good stories. So, well, I think right. it's about time to start wrapping things up. Anything else left to say about minute three? I I just would say I'd be remiss if I did not uh, perform my job, which is really quickly discuss exactly what that drum set is. Mm, yes, oh, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> it is a vintage late 70s Ludwig six-ply blue and olive badge maple classic kit. Wow. Power Tom sizes in white marine pearl, very popular color, white marine pearl, dating back to Buddy Rich, with Mm. Remo silver dot heads. And it's a uh, super Alex Van Halen vibe. Oh, nice. Yes. So it's perfect for (laughs) Spinal Tap. Perfect. Well, thanks for lending your expert eye on that i definitely would <laughs> all i'd be able to say is looks pretty impressive pops off the stage you yeah, know yeah. definitely and looks good under that huge skull with the the um horns and the yeah. eyes if, and all that if you pause around second like 55 56 seconds in to the minute uh the camera's on on david on leave guitar but you can see right behind him you get a good shot of of the drum set Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing, I think, a, like a super rare Ludwig Coliseum twelve lug snare, mm. which you hardly ever find. Mm. That's pretty much what I do all day long. It's like I'm at the office right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, any any last comments? No, for this minute? I'm I'm spent. That's uh, a <laughs> quite that a was ride. Quite a minute, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, then I think I'm going to go ahead and start um, wrapping things up here. So we hope you've enjoyed episode three of Spinal Tap Minute. Um, We are a brand new podcast, and if you're enjoying it, 
We'd love for you to subscribe to us on iTunes and go ahead and write a five-star review. Maybe even share us with your friends. And if you're not enjoying it, then don't even bother doing anything. (laughs) We don't want to hear about it. (laughs) It's a work in progress. So I'm sure each episode will have a few snafus. And I know I... I bobbled a couple things here on my end while we were recording, but it's it's all a passion project and it's really a lot of fun. Um, we have SpinalTapMinute.com, so you could head over there and check out all of our social links and even a subscription link to iTunes to make it real easy for you. Uh, so, Jerry, you're from uh, Indiana Jones Minute. If you want to tell the people how they can find out more about that. And of, uh, you know, how the people can see you if they want to see you drumming. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, uh, yeah, I I would encourage anybody to come to IndianaJonesMinute.com, where you will hear the wonderful Sean German as a a guest. And we're thrilled to have you, Sean. That's fantastic. Uh, We're there. We're on Facebook at uh, the Indiana Jones Minute and the Listener's Crusade. So there's sort of a discussion forum. and. Musically, let's see. I'm playing with uh, Dick Dale. I'm going on tour with Dick Dale. Uh, I believe the um, I think the tour starts April second at the Mim Museum in Phoenix, Arizona, and then it kind of meanders through the South, and then why? You know, I think eventually everybody winds up getting hit by a unicycle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you go to DickDale.com, you will see. Uh, you know. There's a tour dates. There's also a summer tour on there as well, I think in August. So, yeah, if anybody wants to come to a show, I'd say uh, feel free to, to, to find me on Facebook or uh, whatever. Send me a message. Yeah, awesome. great. Yeah, so um, I've, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what those guys are doing over at, at Indiana Jones Minute. Uh, those are some great movies and, uh, and a great job they're doing. As, as, as a podcast. So when you're done listening to Spinal Tap Minute, head over there. And uh, also a big fan of, of Dick Dale and, and Jerry Porter. I've seen them perform live and it's, it's an experience. It's, it's a great, great time. So I uh, would encourage people to, to look that up as well. And then uh, when you're done with that, you can uh, swing on by our Facebook group. Uh, the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge is uh, where we assemble and, and do our groupies thing. And you can also call us. We've got a, a Spinal Tap line, or Spinal Tap Minute line, at 419-TAP-TAP-6. That's 419-827-8276. So if you have any, um, your own wacky stories on the road, Spinal Tap moments from real life, or, or just any questions or suggestions about the show, uh, give us a call and, and leave us a message. We would love to hear from you. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks again to uh, uh, an outstanding guest, Jerry Porter. And so until next time, and so say all of us, tap Tap into America. I love it.